in a series, we're in week three of a series that I've entitled Built Differently. And uh, so we've been talking about how to build a life and, uh, you know, and so really looking at that. And so we were looking in a scripture over and really it's based off of scripture in Matthew chapter 7. As verse 24, really Jesus tells the story of two builders. Uh, they were building a house. And so he says, hey, there was one guy who built a house on a rock. And he said that was good. And another guy who built it on the sand. And he said, and the houses looked great until the storm came. And it says when the storm came, though, is that the quality of the build was revealed. And, uh, you know, and so it says that the house that was built on the rock actually withstood the 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 flood waters it withstood the wind it, it it withstood the storm it says but the one that was built on the sand it said that it was great was it collapsed last week i actually saw a video clip of a house that was built on the beach and they and it was the collapse of it falling into the ocean as it just drifted out into the ocean and uh, why did that happen because the foundation wasn't secured you know and so sometimes people can think well that the rock is jesus is it well hey the rock of my life is jesus and while i understand where that comes from that's not what jesus said in these scriptures uh, in verse 24 he actually makes the statement he says anyone Anyone and everyone is included in this who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. So Jesus didn't just say, hey, if you make me your Lord, you're good. The storms won't get you. That's not what he says. He says, if you listen and follow me. There's a big difference between Jesus. I want you to be my Lord and Jesus. I'm going to follow you. There's a, a huge difference here, and yet Jesus says when we follow him that we're actually wise. How many of you want to be wise? How many of you know that foolishness gets you hurt? Speaking from experience. Anybody else ever had some foolishness in your life? And you're like, you know, uh, there's two ways to learn, right? Sometimes we choose the hard road, which is pain. You don't forget those lessons. The other way is through somebody else's mistakes. You listen to somebody else's story and be like, I don't think I want to go down that road. So you choose not to. And that's a great way to learn. So over the last couple of weeks, I'm going to recap a couple of things here as we get started. Um, but I've shared with you is that it's one thing that we can just come to church and we hear things. And you can even say it this way is even that we believe it, that we confess it, that we say it, but we have to take it beyond just the mental and we actually have to start to apply it to our life, put it into work, put it into action, let it begin to shift who we are. And so I've said it this way is that information with application or information plus application will actually produce some transformation. That's what God is after. He is not just wanting to leave us the way we are. He saved us so that he could develop us. That is God's plan for every single one of us. But what happens is, is that many times we'll get, app or we'll get information, we forget to apply it, and it produces some devastation. And we wonder why. We're like, man, I thought I'd come to Jesus and all of my life was going to be good. You've got to apply the teachings of the Word of God to your life to receive the benefit, the blessing from them. And so we've talked about this, is that believing alone is not enough. I mean, the devil believes in Jesus, Believing isn't enough. We actually have to put our faith. So we, we, let me say it this way. Is it, it's one thing to believe. It's another thing to begin to build. We want to build. We want to really walk out what God has for us. And so we want to be builders. Anybody else want to be a builder? Kyle, can you bring me my little prop? Some of you may not know what these little wonderful things are. You might have stepped on one in the middle of the night. And called out on the name of Jesus in a special way. Like a real deep heartfelt... 
This little beautiful thing are Legos. This is one of my son's Lego boxes right here. It's a little dragon. We went to Target one day because he had some money. My son gets money and he's like, it's got to go get spent. We were in Subway the other day and somebody dropped a $5 bill and I'm asking everybody. I'm like, hey, somebody dropped your money. Nobody claims it. And one of the other people is like, give it to your son. Max is like, I got $5 and 10 dimes. I got $6. Target's got a $3 aisle, dad. That's no joke. I'm like, buddy, you ain't got to spend the money. So we're there. He had, I think it was birthday money or something. And I'm trying to convince him to not buy this. Because I'm like, buddy, that's like most of your money. He's like, I know. I don't care. This is what he wanted. But how many of you know, sometimes we approach God kind of like this picture right here. We're like, God, I want that. Just like Max did that day. And he said, I want the dragon. And my buddy, that's, you know, 737 pieces. You're six. And it says you need to be nine. He's like, I don't care. I'm smart. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I mean, you got to admire his confidence, right? But he wants this thing. But how many of you know it doesn't come like this? It comes in little baggies. We want this. And we get this. And we're like, well, God, I want that. What am I supposed to do with these? Everything to get this is in the bag. It's already provided for. It's already there. But I got to build it. Well, great. I've got 737 of these wonderful creations. I don't know what to do with all 737. Because, you know, like if I remember correctly, this came in five different bags. And they're numbered bag one, bag two, bag three, bag four, bag five. And Max wants to open all five bags at once. I'm like, no, 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 buddy. We got to follow the instructions. We need bag one right now. Because it's too chaotic. He's like, I just want to build. I'm like, buddy, you can start building, but you're not going to get to this. You'll build something. Is not probably going to end up what you wanted. And so then Max in his infinite wisdom goes, Daddy, I got the solution. Here. You read this. <laughs> right? You read this and you hand me the pieces. I'll build it. Now, it's interesting when he got done building this, Daddy didn't help. Look what I built. By the way, this thing's over two feet long. It's like this big. But how many of you know the pieces and the picture won't help you without the manual? You can have the pieces and you can have the picture. But you need this. Because there's 737 reasons why you need this. And see what happens. And this is what we've been talking about over the last couple weeks. Is that we want this. I'm going to leave it sitting right here just for a visual illustration. There you go. Hopefully I don't kick it over. We'll see. But see, just like that happens, <clears throat> many times we'll see a picture. We'll hear somebody preach a message. We'll, we'll see somebody else's story. We'll hear a testimony. And we're like, I want that. Yeah, but that didn't happen in a moment. That was built over time. 
I mean, it's amazing how we can fast track a testimony and 10 minutes becomes 10 seconds. And what about the 10 years it took to get to the beautiful picture? What about the, the, and you can apply it to many areas of your life. I mean, whether it be job, relational, family, whatever. You know, I've said this to you almost every week is that we're all building. It's not a question of if we're building, it's what and how are we building that? And that matters. It may not matter on the blue sky day, but when the storm clouds roll and it goes gray, you, we're going to find out who's built what. And we want to build in a way that is strong and that it lasts. And so really the quality of our life is determined by the foundation upon which we build. The quality of our life, the, what we actually experience in our life. And this includes natural things, yes, but it, this is spiritual. Is it just like you have to start at step one out of a hundred and something steps in that little manual to get to that dragon. God has given us his manual. And many times we see the pieces and we get frustrated because we say, this looks nothing like what I thought. And sometimes when I've been building things with Max, cause he's a Lego maniac, he loves to build stuff. I'm like, what is this? And how is this going to turn into that? And how does this work? I mean, he's getting into all the technical ones now where you twist over here and it moves over there. And I'm like, I don't see how this all connects. But yet, if you follow the plan, you'll get to the end. And sometimes we can struggle seeing the pieces that we have going, there's no way that I'm going to get from this to the picture that God put in my heart. Like, there's no way. And so it's important that we, that we stick to what God's word is instructing us. We've been talking about this last week. I share with you the story of the three little pigs. How many of you remember that? The first two pigs had other things to do. And so they wanted to shortcut their build. But the one brother who built the strong house, guess where everybody ran when trouble hit? And then they were eating wolf stew. Right? We talked about this last week. I've shared this with you almost every week as well, is that a great life is not found. You're not going to stumble into a great life or the life that God has for you. It has to be built, intentionally developed, and worked out over time. Say, well, why does it have to be worked out over time? Because God is more interested in you than what you're ever going to do for him. And he's building your character so that you can actually support the destiny that he has for you. And he will not let you uh, take shortcuts. He's not going to let you do it. Why? Because he's a good father. And he will not have spoiled rotten children. So that character formation is very important. And so we've talked about this last week. And really, how do you take some of the information and turn it into application? Now, these are like bricks. It's just like building a house. There's a foundation. And then you lay a brick and a brick and a brick. And you keep building. That is our spiritual life. And so over this series, my hope is to give you bricks to build upon. Last week, we talked about uh, some spiritual disciplines. I didn't really like that word just because who likes the word discipline? Anybody? Didn't think so. So I got a new term for you this week. Holy habits. How about that? You need to implement some holy habits in your life. And we talked about these last week, but just for some, some recap here, is that you need to have daily prayer and devotion time. Everybody say daily. 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 You need to read God's word. You need to get something that helps you understand the word of God. Here's my, my, my pointer for you. Get a Bible you understand. 
If you don't understand what you're reading, you got the wrong Bible. You're like, yeah, but what about this translation, that translation? Just read the Bible. We can sort out the debates later. If you'll just read your Bible every day, it will produce. And, it, you know, and I encourage you to take 15 minutes, five minutes of reading, five minutes of worship, five, reading, five minutes of just some contemplation and some prayer with God. Take 15 minutes. You don't have to do all of these, but do some of them. Start putting some holy habits in your life. Why? Because when you put God's word in your life, it stirs up your faith. It begins to build your faith upon what God wants for you. And so it's important. Uh, we've talked about this. Romans ten seventeen says this, is that faith comes from hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing God's word. It's not just hearing it one time. It's a present tense word. It's not just I have heard. No, you need to hear actively right now. And so sometimes we can even fall into the trap. Well, I've heard this before. Great. You might need to reopen your ears then and not shut them off to the truth of God's word. Because what was good for you yesterday was yesterday's manna. We start talking about the Old Testament. There's a reason God said, I'm going to bring you fresh bread every day. You can't eat yesterday. Why? Because that was for yesterday. And I've had it happen where God will use the exact same scripture, but give me new understanding or new revelation for a new season that I've stepped into. And the old revelation was no longer valid for the situation I was in. And God will use the exact same verse and say, hey, that truth is still true, but let me add another dimension to that. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, and it opens up even more and it opens up even more. And so faith comes by hearing God's word. In the book of Revelations, over and over and over, there's a statement that says, He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. So let me say it this way. Just because you got ears don't mean you can hear. That's what that tells me. If you got ears, let them hear. I mean, we can do this number. La, 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 la. You ever done that with somebody? Like when you were a kid? I can't hear you. You know. Sometimes that happens in church. It's just not a physical thing, but I can see it on your face. You're like, mm. <laughs> you can stop talking and just go somewhere else. Move along, please. You may not be doing that, but I can see it. I can always tell when I hit a button. It's always interesting. No, so faith comes from, and this is why it's important that we have these habits of putting God's word. Why? Because it stirs up faith. Hebrews 11, 1 says this, is out of the Amplified Bible. It says that faith is the assurance. It's the confirmation. Let me say another. It's the confidence of the things that I hope for. It's the picture that I have that I can't yet see. I've got the pieces and I've got the manual, but I don't have this yet. But it says if I take the pieces and I follow the manual, I'm going to get here. That's what faith is. It's more than just belief. It's having a picture on the inside. So it says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. So the Amplified Bible adds that faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. So our faith, our belief in God, is actually goes beyond just head. It has to. It has to move deeper than that. I've shared this with you a couple of weeks ago, but a, a friend of mine defines faith this way. He says, faith is believing God's word is true no matter what any other information source may reveal. You realize that includes our own thoughts as well. 
God's word is more true than my feelings. God's word is more important and more true than my own thoughts. Right? I mean, the word of God tells us that the human heart is deceitfully wicked in all of its ways. Don't you just feel good about that? Like, don't you just like, man, I feel good about myself all of a sudden. No, we need God's word. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's important in our life. And so what happens though is that faith is when I take God's word and I'm not ignoring any other situation. Like I'll just make it real practical for you. By faith, I may have a bill and I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to pay that. So what do I do? I go back to the word of God. And I say, Father, this didn't take you by surprise. The Bible says that you're my provider. We were just singing about that. You are my provider and that you're going to make provision for me. I don't know how and I don't know when, but I'm not going to get overly stressed out. Why? Because by faith, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his ability, not mine. Now, I can struggle with that. I'm like, God, I'm going to pray, but I'm going to get up and do something. And God says, hey, I will provide. It's Philippians 4.19. I will provide all that you have need of. Well, I don't see that money. I don't see the way to pay for that bill. But by faith, I'm going to reach into a future that I can't even see. And my mind might even be on tilt a little bit going, you're crazy. You're only crazy until God shows up. It's always funny, your detractors are loud until God shows up. And then all of a sudden they get real quiet. Like, and look, I'm not telling you to be foolish. I mean, take the whole counsel of the word of God, right? But I've had God provide for me in many ways. Sometimes it was hard work, which I didn't like. I'm like, God, can't you just like tell somebody to bless me? <laughs> you ever like, you ever, have you ever done that? Like where you tried to pray and like lean God a direction? Like, Lord, just let's go this direction. I, I don't want to go over there. It's kind of hot right now. I don't want to do that. Let me just. Maybe I'm the only one. No, you're not going to wake up one day with great faith. It has to be built. See, faith is a muscle. It has to be built. You're not just going to show up one day with that beach body we were talking about a couple weeks ago. The same thing is true with your faith. So I want to look at a passage of scripture today, and this is another brick. So we've been talking about really, the, you know, is that we're taking the teachings of Jesus and building upon them. And, and so we understand that having faith, which is what? Believing God's opinion over mine. Ultimately, you can boil faith down to that. I'm going to believe what God's opinion is and what God says, even about me, more than I do what I believe about me. And that's important. But I want to show you another aspect Because we got to know God's word, but we have to put faith to activate God's word. God's word alone doesn't, it it won't produce by itself. Like I'm going to give you another example. You didn't get saved because the Bible said Jesus died for you. You got saved when you believed and you put your faith in Jesus. Then the word got activated and it began to work in your life. But it took your belief in combination with the word of God for it to work. And so we have the word, we have faith. I want to add another dimension today that I believe will help you if you'll catch it. And so in Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 5, there's a story of a Roman uh, officer, a centurion. But it says, when Jesus was returning to Capernaum, this officer came and pleaded with Jesus and says, Lord, 
My young servant lies in bed paralyzed and is in terrible pain. And Jesus makes a statement, says, I will come and heal him. Awesome. I came and asked you. You said, yes, let's make it happen, right? Like if I'm the centurion, I'm going to stop talking. I hear Jesus because in Luke's account of this, it actually says that when he heard about Jesus, which meant that he had heard the stories, he had heard people talking about that Jesus would heal people. And it says that, but in my mind, I'm like, when Jesus says, yes, I'm going to be quiet. You said you're coming, you're going to heal him, it's going to happen, no problem. But yet this guy actually continues talking. And he actually gives us a key here that I believe can help you. And it says, but the officer says to Jesus, Lord, I'm not worthy that you would come into my home. Which, by the way, just the fact that he called him Lord is very interesting. He's a Roman officer. He has clout. He has weight. He has authority over the Jewish people. And yet he comes to Jesus and says, Lord, which means, hey, I'm, I'm recognizing you as a superior authority to me. And really, even to the Roman authorities. Just pretty interesting because a lot of the uh, Jewish people did not recognize Jesus. But this Roman who had no relationship, no right, no covenant with God, recognized Jesus anyways. It's pretty interesting. He says, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come into my home. But just say the word from where you are. Don't come to my house. You just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. And he says, and I know this. I mean, this guy's pretty confident. He says, I know this. I know that if you'll just say it, it's going to happen. But I know this because I am under authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say, go and they'll go or come and they'll come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they will do it. And it says, when Jesus heard this man's response, it says that he was amazed. It actually says that he was perplexed and astonished. This word is actually only used one other place in scripture. And it's right before Jesus goes to the cross and he's looking over Jerusalem. And it says that he was amazed at their lack of belief. Like blown away, like how can you not see? It's so obvious. And yet here, Jesus is amazed at this man. And he turns to him and says, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. This man had an understanding of authority and Jesus called it faith. There's a connection here. Is that we can have faith... We can be saved, love Jesus, know the word of God. But at some point, we've got to lay hold of our authority in Christ. Why? Because there's going to come some times where the big bad wolf is going to come knocking. And we don't need to run to the back corner of the house and hide. But please go away. Leave me alone. Right? What happens... We ought to just fling the door open and say, boo, scare him. You know, he's not used to that. Hey, in the name of Jesus, you can take off running. You got no right to come into my house. Well, you can't do that hiding out in the back closet. I mean, you can try. And again, I'm not talking about something that isn't yours. It is yours. And Jesus talks about this. This man got his miracle in verse 13. It says that Jesus says to the Roman officer, go back home because you believed it has happened. 
Because you believed, you put your faith in that I could do what you said. You had an understanding of the authority that I carry and that I walk in. And because of that, because you believed, it has happened. Jesus didn't say because of who I am. Jesus didn't say because of what I have said or who I am or what I have done. Jesus said because you believed. Here's the thing. Nobody can believe for you. Your mama can't save you. Your grandma can't save you. Now, people can pray for you. And I'm thankful that people have prayed for me. I mean, I have a praying mom. I'm the result of a praying mom and a praying dad and praying grandmothers. There's no doubt. But all of their prayers had to get me to a place where I had to make a decision. Right? I mean, it's just the truth. And it it goes on, it says, and the young servant was healed that very same hour. See, the truth is, and we see this, is that by Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, the Bible tells us that now all authority, that he went and took back the authority. Originally, it was given to Adam. The devil deceived them, took it in the garden. Jesus came back and said, that's mine. And then he turned around and went to the disciples and says, now it's yours. It's this quick exchange. It's what was always God had given to mankind, Jesus gave back. It's really what happened in the fall was, was an exchange of authority. That's how the devil became the God of this world. Well, how many of you know that you are no longer a part of this world system if Jesus is your Lord? The Bible says that you live here like a foreigner, like, a, like an alien, one verse says. Like, this is not where my home, this is not where my confidence lies. But see, when I understand my authority in Christ, things then actually begin to change. Why? Because what I believe really matters. And this, this all connects to us really walking in the authority that's provided for us in Scripture. What I believe matters. What I think matters. What I say matters. What I pray, it matters. When you understand the authority that you have from Scripture, you will pray differently. You won't put up with a lot of things anymore. You're going to take authority over situations and circumstances. And I'm not saying that there's demonic forces under every rock. Or that there's work that the enemy's not doing. It's there more than we realize. I think we're way more casual about it than we should be. And we're accepting things and tolerating things and just living with things that the Bible says we don't have to. And you're, yeah, but if Jesus said it, the Bible says it, all of these things, why do I still feel these things? And why do I still have these negative responses? And why is my life not working out and it's not lining up with the picture that I want? The thing that God put in my heart, that promise that I feel like that God showed me. Man, I'm doing all the things that I know to do. Here's a, a good principle for you that I have seen to be true in my life. Is that Jesus will not do for me. What he has given me the ability to do. Jesus will not do for me what he has given me the ability to do for myself. He's given me authority. In other words, Jesus is not going to come whip the front door of my house over open and be like, devil, you got to go. Why? Because the Bible tells me if I will resist the devil. How you do that? Enough. That's a good prayer. Enough, devil. This is enough. This is stopping right here. I've had enough of you and my family. I've had enough of you and my kids. I've had enough of you dealing with my bosses. I don't care. 
I'm going to live in peace. I'm going to live in in the joy of the Lord. And I'm not going to let you rob from me. I've had enough of you in my finances. So enough. Sometimes enough is enough. And sometimes, you know, it's like, what? how did Papa say that? I've had it all. I I just can't stand it no more. (laughs) I don't remember the the lead up. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Come on. And what did Papa do? He went and cracked over in a can of spinach. It was like, and then he becomes Popeye the sailor man, all big and bad. You can be Popeye. Your spinach is the word of God. When you understand the authority that you've been given in the word of God to take the word of God and enforce the kingdom of God in your life. You're like, what's the kingdom? It's the rule and the reign of Jesus. In every circumstance of your life. Sometimes it can be instantaneous. Sometimes it's a process of time. Like, well, what do I do in the process? You hold to your faith. Having done all to stand, Ephesians tells us, stand therefore. Don't back off. Don't back away. Just stand. Say, no, God's word is true. Every other opinion and every other thought, including mine, can be a liar. Because God is true to his word. And God watches over his word to perform it. These are all scriptures that I'm telling you right now, by the way. This is how you do spiritual warfare. You take God's word and you begin to put it into your mouth and you begin to say it and you begin to declare it. And all of a sudden, heaven pays attention and the kingdoms of darkness are going to pay attention. And guess what's going to happen? The life and the light of Jesus is going to begin to show up. There's a verse in in Isaiah that says, and, and the Lord declares, he says that my word will not return void unto me. That it will not accomplish that which I sent it to do. Well, think about this. Now, I'm just a linear thinker. My word will not return void. God has sent his word. One Bible, or one scripture tells us he sent his word and he's healed us and he's delivered us from all destruction. Okay, so he sent his word, but there's got to be a return journey of that word. How does God's word get back to him? Out of my mouth. And I'm going to begin to store up God's word. That's why I need to be in God's word every day. So that it's in my heart. So when the devil shows up, I say, "Uh uh-uh. Line in the sand, you will not cross. Every house that Darren and I have ever lived in, we pray over that house. This is a house of peace, not of chaos. When when we were youth pastors and we'd have 100 teenagers in our house, some of y'all just fainted. Like, oh, Jesus. I could barely handle my two and their four. I I mean, look, I tell you, to this day, I take this serious. You are not going to bring foolishness into my house. Your drama can stay at the door or you can go. Because this is a house of peace. Because I'm going to protect what's mine. And I can't control what you do out that door, but this is my door. This is my house. You want to talk crazy, y'all can go outside. I don't care where you go, but you can't stay here, you know. And I really would do it. Somebody just text me. Popeye's quote is, that's all I can stand because I can't stand it no more. <laughs> Thank you. That's it. <laughs> See, it's time to take up our authority. That we've been given. If you're saved, if Jesus is your Lord, you have authority. You don't have to be intimidated or fearful of the enemy. 
like the devil and demons and spooky stuff. Sure. If you understand it. If you, or I'm sorry, if you don't understand it. Remember, information without application produces some devastation. But when you have the information and you know how to apply it, that begins to bring about some transformation. And you've got to take a belief more than just, oh, I believe that Jesus died for me. You've got to begin to build on that belief. You've got to stack on some faith. Like, it's not just what well, the Bible says so. No, the Bible says for me and my house. The Bible says for me and my kids and my family and my job and my business and, and all of the, and you begin to speak God's word. All of a sudden faith begins to get stirred up. And then all of a sudden you're going to get some holy boldness about you. Not anymore. So how do we take up our authority? I'm going to give you five points pretty quick here. Five ways that you can take up your authority. Number one, and we've already talked about some of these, but it's, but it all relates to this is you got to know God's word. You got to know God's word. Why? Because God's word is his will. God is bound to his. I mean, look, it doesn't matter what happens in our world. God's plans are going to be fulfilled. Why? Because he's God. He's the creator. He's outside of this universe. Let me say, no, he's outside of our little bubble. And our big bubble is little to him. But we have to know his will. We have to meditate on the word of God. Why? So that when I get a diagnosis, I know what the word of God says. When, I, when there's lack in my life, I know what the word of God says. And I'm not, and look, and we have a part to play in this. It's not just that we just stand back and be like, okay, Lord, it's your deal. Do it for me. Jesus ain't going to do for you what he's given you the ability to do. So you got to know his word. You got to meditate on it. Number two, you have to believe the word that you read. Just because you can say it don't mean you believe it. I mean, I've been around people. I mean, look, atheists can quote the Bible. They can quote it better than most of us, but they don't believe it. They use it as a weapon to try to confuse us, but they don't believe it. Therefore, it doesn't produce any transformation. I read you this verse a minute ago, Hebrews 11, one, I'm going to read it to you out of a different translation. Passion translation says that faith brings our hopes into reality and it becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things that we long for. It is the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. Our faith takes what we cannot see, what we do not possess, what we do not hold, and faith will lay hold of it and bring it into our seen realm. It really will. You, it will. There's no doubt about it. It requires that I believe God's word. Number three, you've got to declare God's promises. And I put declare, not say, because there's a difference. Because the declaration has faith. Like I have an expectation behind what I'm saying. I'm not just throwing some words out to the universe hoping that the, the, the universe is going to be friendly to me. The cosmos. I'm putting out good vibes. You know, good vibes are not in the Bible. I'm sorry to tell you that. I have something better than good vibes. I have the word of God backed by the author of the word. Who said that he will bring it about in my life when I put my faith in it. And when I begin to declare it. And the more that I declare God's word. Guess what happens? My faith continues to rise. My faith continues to rise. And I become fully convinced that God's word is true for me. And the more I say it. You ought to write it on the mirror in your bathroom. Put it on a card. and Whatever, you're, whatever situation you're facing. Whatever is the big thing in your life. Go find some scriptures that apply to that. And put it before you. 
And don't just read it, say it. Say it out loud. You're like, why? There's something about hearing yourself say it. And the more you say it, the more traction it will gain. You ever been stuck in a rut and your tires won't get traction? Sometimes we're there spiritually in our life, situation, circumstances. Time to get some traction. Start saying, if you want something different, do something different. What you got to lose? You're slinging mud all over the place anyways. You ain't going nowhere. You've been stuck in that same stagnant place in your life. Maybe it's time to do something different. You know, Einstein said it this way. It's insanity to do the same thing over and over again. Expect something different. That's crazy. You got to try something different. So these are holy habits. These are, these are some, some things that you can do to actually enforce the authority. So you got to know God's word. You got to believe the promises. You've got to begin to speak or declare God's word. Let me say it this way is that faith speaks what cannot be seen. That's important. You're like, well, I don't see nothing. If you wait till you see something, you ain't never going to see nothing. That's really good English. My mom be so proud of me right now. <laughs> Whew, she'd be proud. Love you, mom. Second Corinthians four, verse 13. It says this. I believed and therefore I spoke. Didn't say that I saw it says I believed and therefore I spoke. So I begin to, to speak God's word. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says uh, that we are, that we, says, for we live by faith and not by what our eyes see or what we see with our eyes. We live by faith, not by fear, not by circumstance, not by opinion. We live by faith. It is the bedrock. It's taking what is in the scriptures and saying, I'm going to build my life upon the word of God and the application of God's word. And as I build my life, God is going to do something in my life and for me. So we're doing these three things. And now there's a fourth one, which is we need to pray God's word. I need to believe God's word. I need to declare God's word. I need to pray God's word. Like, man, you're pretty serious about the word, aren't you? Yes. Why? Because it's the wisdom of the ages. Thousands of years have proven it to be true. Archaeologically proven more and more and more to be accurate. I mean, there's hundreds of reasons that prove the accuracy and the validity of Scripture. It's written over thousands of years by multiple, over a hundred authors. And yet there's a story that's woven through every chapter of the Bible. So yes, I take the word of God true. Why? Because it's the only thing that can tell me the past, the present, and the future accurately. Notre Dame is not smarter than the Bible. And yet some people think, oh yeah. No, but I want to pray God's will. I want to, as I'm praying, I don't want to just pray my own thoughts. I want to pray God's promises. So I want to speak it. I want to pray it. Part of the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. This is out of the Passion Translation. It says, um, so, you know, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Well, this is another version of that. Of your kingdom come, your will be done. It says, manifest your kingdom realm and cause your every purpose to be fulfilled on earth just as it is fulfilled in heaven. So it doesn't matter the situation or circumstance. God, your will is for me to experience heaven on earth. In whatever the situation or circumstance may be. Now here's the last one. And this one might be one of the more challenging ones. 
is you have to stop accepting and tolerating anything less than Jesus is best for you. Which means you need some discernment. You need the help of the Holy Spirit to say, that ain't what God wants for you. You need to stop putting up with that. You need to take authority over that. And you got to have that Popeye moment where I can't stand it no more. I've had it. If you'll do the first four, you'll actually stop tolerating a lot of stuff before you ever get to that point. See, many times what happens is we wait till it's crisis mode and then we're like, well, I guess I got to pray. That's all we can do. Just got to pray now. Well, maybe if we would have done these things that I just shared with you before, we wouldn't get to that crisis moment. Why? Because I have a foundation that can't be shaken. So even when the crisis comes, I'm just looking at it through a window. The wind and the waves. The storms. I remember after Laura, Donna had stayed here and I asked her, I was like, what was it like? And she was like, it was kind of oddly pleasant and calm. She's like, I just stood in my window and just watched the trees. Is that not true, Donna? Is that what you told me? And I'm thinking, but what a perfect picture of Psalms 91. Only with my eyes will I see destruction. It's not coming near my house. I'm tucked away in the secret place of the most high God. Go memorize Psalms 91. It's 17 verses. Go memorize any of it. It's a great go-to verse. Keep in the hip pocket. Quick draw. Why? Because I get stressed like anybody else. I just go back to the word. Now let me give you another uh, couple. I got a couple verses here as I'm wrapping up this morning. Mark chapter 11, verses 22 and 23, it says that Jesus responds. Let me give you the background. I need to tell you what's going on here so you'll understand what's happening. So Jesus and the disciples were on a journey. They're going down the road. Jesus wants a snack. He sees a fig tree that's in bloom. He walks over there. There's no figs. And he's like, curse you tree. No one will ever eat fruit of you again. There's a lot in that, but that's what happened. Kind of a blip on the radar, right? Jesus goes, does some things. They're on their way back and they're like, Jesus, the tree is dead. Like they're shocked. And Jesus is like, duh. That's what I said. Which tells you that the disciples thought it was optional. Jesus had confidence. And he knew he had authority over even that. And the disciples are like, like mind blown. So this is Jesus' response to them when they're like, can we do that? Like, I want, to, I want to do that. So Jesus says, in the response to them, says, let the faith of God be in you. Other translations, other uh, versions would say, have the God kind of faith. Let the faith of God be in you. It says, listen to the truth that I speak to you. Listen, Remember? If we listen and obey, there's, that's actually a theme throughout Scripture. Listen and obey, there are blessings. Listen and obey, listen and obey, listen and obey. The obey part is crucial. Jesus says, listen to the truth that I tell you. If someone says to this mountain of, with great faith and having no doubt, mountain be lifted up, which that's just, he's just, it's not, he's not talking about a physical mountain necessarily. He's giving them an example. It's a word picture. Jesus always talked in stories. 
He says, uh, and so they have great faith and having no doubt. And then they speak to a mountain. It says, mountain be lifted up and thrown into the midst of the sea and believes what he says. It will happen and it will be done. Jesus says, all it takes is faith. Like belief and understanding that with my belief, I, I have to mix. I have to believe. I have to have faith. And then I'm going to apply some authority. Another word for authority is dominion. We probably don't talk about that enough in church anymore. But dominion means I got authority to make some stuff happen. It's the implementation of what God has done. Verse 24 of Matthew or of Mark 11 says, This is the reason that I urge you to boldly believe for whatever you ask in prayer. Believe that you have or believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Now, some of you might have already had the thought, well, that, great, that, that verse sounds great, but it says if you have great faith and having no doubt, I don't have great faith and I got a lot of doubt. What do I do? You got to go back to the word. Faith gets stirred up. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God. But I've got some good news for you. You don't have to have great faith. The Bible actually says that there's a seed of faith implanted on the inside of every one of us. Jesus said it this way in in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. He says, I tell you the truth. If you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed on the planet, little bitty mustard seed, but it grows into a great massive tree. He says, you could say to this mountain, move from here and and, and it will, and it from here to there and it would move because nothing would be impossible. Nothing would be impossible to what? To those who believe, to those who will speak, those who will activate the word of God in their life. So we've got to quit dabbling in the word of God and, and dabbling in church and just kind of go all in and say, okay, I want to live differently. And I'm not going to tolerate and accept, you know, I'm going to give you another example. Well, this is what in my family, well, the men in my family are just angry. We're not emotional, but we're just, we're, we're angry. We fly off the handle. You know, you don't have to accept that. You know, me and my family, we're just a bunch of screw ups. You don't have to be. God's a master rewriter of stories. Well, my family's this, my family's that. We're just broke. We're just this. We're just sick. We're just this. We're Stop saying what the natural says and start saying what God's promises say and rewrite the story. Your words have weight. So stop saying what you think and what you've heard and what you've been told. Change the opinion of who you think you are and what you can do by what people have said to you and start saying what God's word says about you. And then you're going to have some confidence so that you can actually step into your authority. I mean, I don't know if you realize or not, this could actually change your life. It really can. I mean, we put up with way more than Jesus paid the price for us too. And we allow the enemy access into areas of our life. And we got to close the doors to the enemy. But I ain't running from him. I don't need to. Not because of me, but because of Jesus on the inside of me. Greater is he who is in me than he that is in this world. 
the greater one lives on the inside of me. Why would I run away? Let me say it another way. Why would I forfeit a game that I know I win? Why? Because the Bible's clear. We know the end of the story. So why would I quit if I know I've got the manual, I got the picture, I got the pieces, I just got to get building. I just got to keep building. I just got to keep building. I just got to keep building. And as I keep building, guess what's going to happen? God's continuing to work and God's beginning to move. And you're like, well, what point do I stop building? Whenever you're ready. Whenever you say, I'm done building. But I want to build to the point where everybody knows. You didn't do this by yourself. I know you. You're not that nice. You ain't that good. You ain't that smart. How did you do that? Oh, it's because I learned how to tap into the word of God. And I learned how to submit myself. That's important. I could take a whole thing there. I learned to submit myself to God's word. I learned to submit myself to the authority of Jesus. See, the, the Roman centurion, he understood authority because he said, I, I'm under authority, therefore I have authority. We have authority as long as we're under authority. The problem is we want to not have a relationship with Jesus and run out here and be like, devil, leave me alone. And then we get slapped around. And we're like, well, why didn't it work? Because you were out there by yourself. You weren't out there under, you weren't submitted to the authority of Scripture. You weren't submitted to the authority of Christ. But when you're submitted to the authority of Christ, when you speak and you begin to declare God's word, it's like Jesus himself saying it. And the enemy's going to pay attention. So stop tolerating. Stop putting up with stuff that you don't have to. I'm telling you, it, it, it will change your life. Amen. Well, let me pray for you this morning. Then.